they're out again. Maury and Tim escape from the radio. And now, those two guys. Maury Eskenazi and Tim Hunter. Trailers late at night when he can't sleep Tells us about hit movies and then sometimes goes deep One week it's Dave Bautista and the next it's Meryl Streep He just goes on and on Maury, Maury, how are you? start out this podcast with uh, one of the openings we do with Maury the Movie Guy on the radio, and we sure invite you to join us someday, and and uh, we, we usually review the uh, entertainment options for the weekend on Thursdays, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Every Thursday. Every Thursday. Now, I was uh, checking to see if now was a good time for a podcast, and you sent me a picture of a vacuum. No, no. Well, that's not. You know, well, that's anybody... your rug shampooer. Yeah, yeah, that's my Ooh. shampooer. It's uh, Carpet Shampoo Day. Did you today. name it? Uh, no. Huh? Okay, some people do. No, some I, people name their shampooers. I'm, I'm not a namer. Okay. I don't name my vehicles and all that kind of stuff. I know so, people who do, yeah. and they think I'm weird that I yeah. don't, but yeah, I've never gotten into that. You know what's funny is that I just um, uh, was ripping people that name their uh, you know vehicles and stuff. I stayed up to three o'clock in the morning playing MLB The Show Twenty One oh, on no. my PS Wow, on my PS Four. You are a late <laughs> yeah. night guy. I am. Yeah. I. You know why, Tim? Because I I never was, and I'm not a morning uh, radio guy. Hmm. So I can't yeah. imagine not. I've been uh, yeah. doing morning radio since 1980. Did. Did you ever do – you did other – didn't you do midday or something like that? Oh, I've been all over the uh, the, the time slots. Back in the day, uh, I was the afternoon guy. At K- My first professional job was at KQOT in Yakima, and it was a daytimer. And so basically they had two guys on the uh, air. It was um, uh, Brady Lehman in the morning, and he would go till like noon or 1.00. And uh, then I would come on and do the rest of the broadcast day. Now, in the winter, we'd go off at 4.15. So Uh. we'd each do like a five-hour shift, and the day was covered. But in the summer, uh, we'd like to have an evening guy, but sometimes he'd call in sick. So I'd be on from 1 in the afternoon till 9 o'clock at night. Wow. Eight Eight hours Yeah, Tim Hunter. How much Tim Hunter (laughs) do you want, folks? Yeah, but that was back in the days where, I mean, we were kind of a a progressive uh, music station for Yakima. This is uh, late 70s. So we were playing uh, Funeral for a Friend by Elton John, Nine Minutes, uh, Leonard Skinner's Freebird, stuff like that. (laughs) So were you FM? Were you FM? Uh, no, we were AM. We were progressive oh. for our little. Uh, huh. We're proud. We did well. We uh, took the ratings up quite a bit in a short amount of time because uh, nobody was playing music like that. 
So that was a fun little adventure. But eventually that's, I grew up and I went to another cool. station in town and then I head over to Seattle. And when I went that when I went to Seattle, I was uh, the morning producer for Larry Nelson. So that's when I started my morning rises. And let's let's talk about let's talk about Larry Nelson. The Larry sure. Nelson. What do you want to know? Experience. You know, I never listened to Larry Nelson. I, you know, I think I told you that he lived right around the block from where my wife lived growing up in, oh, wow. uh, in Bellevue. And, but I never listened to him. And I don't know, was it music? Was it talk? Was it news? What I, was it? I really kicked myself for not sitting down with Lar prior to his passing and getting his entire life story. I heard it. I heard chunks of it throughout and maybe one day I'll I'll try to write them all down and put it into something but he had a very interesting history. I'll, I'll go back to your question, uh, what he liked to do, uh, what the format was. Como was called full, full service radio. So what that meant was you got music, you got Larry's personality, you got lots of news, and you got about 25 minutes of commercials per hour. <laughs> And a lot of those uh, wow. were live reads. Wow. I mean, they would sell Larry. Uh, Larry will do uh-huh. a live spot for you. But he would end up doing one, if not two, live spots a break. So he would play. Uh, it started out, when I first got there in 1980, they were playing Ray Conniff and stuff like that. And then they decided to take a leap and move forward and play uh, jazz like Joe Sample or uh, Islands in the Stream by Dolly and Kenny and stuff like that. It was kind of wow. nice little hodgepodge. All over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was an interesting format, and there was a time when it was doing just gangbusters, but over time, you know, FM started to rise and stuff like that. And But we had Paul Harvey, News and Comment. Yeah. And they had the Huskies. So right. you would That's have right. Bob Rondo doing uh, afternoon sports, and he would also be the play-by-play voice for the Huskies. And in the but mornings, wait. so in night in 1980, Bob Rondo was the voice of the Huskies. Uh, yeah, well, he was that when I got there. He wow, had, I'm I'm not sure exactly when he took over, uh, and it was Bob Rondo and Gary Johnson for starters, and Gary yeah. was just a good guy. He got let go. Uh, I managed to get him on the air over at, uh, I don't know if it was just me, uh, others wanted him to, over at KLSY with me for a while. And for a bit, uh, he actually hosted the Don James show, uh, where Don huh. James would come on once a week and uh, talk about the game live coming from, up. From live Bellevue. From Latitude 47. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is, uh, this is back in the day. He might have come in and pre-recorded. I don't remember exactly for sure. But we uh-huh. actually had the Dave Craig show on in the morning, and then uh, every wow. every Friday you'd hear the Don James show on Classy. You know, so we play all this Christopher Cross and uh, Carpenter's music, and then we'd cut away and turn it into a sports station. But yeah, that's get, cool. Yeah, you know, get, I, I in hindsight, I wish I would have, uh, I wish I would have uh, given it a listen. But you know, back in 1980, I had the mullet going. Oh, and sure, the music going. You know, I was a I was a, um, a KPLZ guy, Kent Allen guy. Okay, yeah, I remember when yeah. Kent Allen came up. Uh, Gina Tuttle, who did news at Como, uh, had worked with him down in Portland, and I remember her uh, asking me if I thought uh, the offer to pay them a hundred thousand dollars, fifty thousand each, to come up and do morning drive was <laughs> a good salary. <laughs> And uh, back then it was. I mean, I was getting paid. Yeah, I was getting paid twenty four to be the producer, something like that. That's an interesting story. When I came over, okay, so 
we'll, we'll, we'll do me one more, and then I'm going to go back to Larry's history because it's really fascinating. Uh, I was uh, working I, in, and I and I love, I love uh, talking radio in Seattle in the 1980s. There's a lot of good history out it. there. I want to make sure it yeah. gets preserved. So, but what happened yeah. was I was on the air in Yakima. I was doing middays, and every uh, every week we had to play a recording. The, the station sold it, a recording from the job lady. And she was with the Washington State Securities and Employment Division. And she would go through a laundry list about 90 seconds long of current job openings. And it was about the yeah, most I sold that. boring thing I, ever. I sold that. That's yeah. my fault. I sold that. Okay. Well, one time, uh, <laughs> Bob Gillespie, who did news at Como, he was over. He had family in Yakima. So he was over visiting. And he was listening and heard me play the job lady one. But what I did was I farted around and I played uh, the Tonight Show theme under her. I said, here's whatever her name was. And then while the Tonight Show theme's playing, uh, she was doing this very dry, boring thing. Well, he thought that was funny. He thought it was funny. And he went back to Como and heard that they were looking for a producer for Larry Nelson. And uh, then all of a sudden this big booming voice called. And said, uh, hi, Tim Hutter, would like to talk to you about coming over here and being a producer for me. Well, this is probably three to four weeks prior to getting married. So I go, well, all right, I'll come over and talk. So we drove over for the day, um, went in, did the interview. They liked me. They said, how do you feel about 16? And I go, 16, that'd be great. Um, And I said, sure, done deal. So... I went back, got married, uh, went on a honeymoon, came back that same weekend, moved over, and started the following Monday as Larry's producer at Como. Now, the 16 number came back to haunt because I got my first check, and it was a lot less than I thought it was going to Uh be. And when I said 16, I I was thinking 16,000 a year. And no, they were talking 1,600 a month which is a a couple of thousand less than that. So I go, oh, my God. So I don't even know what the math is on that, but it's it's not very much. So anyway, uh, long story, even longer. Uh, I became Larry's producer and just got to hang with him, and he was just like a brother. It was so funny. He used to always say, Tim, you're wise beyond your years. And uh, over the time with him, which Tim, how how old was he? How how old was he when you started working with him? I would guess he was probably in his mid to late 30s. And I was in my, like, 20, God, what was I, 23? No, 25. I was 25. Okay. So So he was like a, you know, because I always think of Larry Nelson as like an older guy. Yeah, well, but he had that big, deep, (laughs) booming voice. Yeah. Okay, go uh, ahead. Continue. Anyway, so Larry... Interesting story there. Larry uh, was in Everett, and he uh, wanted to be, he had a doo-wop group. And I've got the recording somewhere. If I can find it, I'll play a little bit of it right now.
go. Uh, anyway, um, the shades. And what he did was he had been working in the police department, I think maybe Snohomish County Sheriff's, and he got to meet this guy named Ron Holden because Ron Holden was arrested. But while he was sitting in his cell, he was singing, and Larry goes, God, you got a great voice. And they ended up getting a song recorded, and uh, they had a minor hit in Seattle, got it played on KJR or whoever, KOL, whatever was playing songs back then. And they they actually had it show up on their their charts because they would stand outside of a record shop in the U District and give people money to go in and buy that record. And then oh uh, wow, because ratings were based on sales. <coughs> yeah. So anyway, that's not, that's not leak kosher, is it? Oh no, nothing is. And all's fair in love <laughs> and music. So, but yeah. so Larry ended up uh, giving up the music career and got into radio and ended up getting a position. I don't know. I think he might have been nights or, or late evenings on Como Radio. And apparently, the morning guy one day came in drunk. And uh, they fired him and moved Larry into the mornings. And that's where he was for the rest of his days at Como Radio. And uh, over the years, I know Kixie talked to him about luring him over there, Wally Nelskog. And, and I remember when Larry would go into talks there and he said he'd take me along with him if that happened and stuff. But uh, all he did with that was get uh, Como to give him more and more money. So he did quite well. But we got to talk to so many people over the years besides, you know, hanging out with Don James and the sports people. Uh, because, because Tim, was it also like, um, let's say Frank Sinatra was coming to town. Would it be like if he was in town, Larry Nelson would talk to him? You know that? Type yeah. Of- I don't know if we got but, him that big. But not think, Sinatra. Yeah. Johnny I Mathis. We, we got to go yeah. to Johnny Mathis's hotel room once and interview him. Uh, Wayne. How Newton. about Jim neighbors? Jim neighbors. No, that came later in Yakima. <laughs> You'll have to go back to a previous podcast for that story. Uh, yeah, but, don't. No, don't I got go to, back to that story. I got to meet a lot, a lot of people, and I posted pictures before Steve Allen, uh, Sherry Lewis, the puppeteer. Um, I bet. Let me guess. Let me stop and, and guess that. I bet Steve Allen was a hero of yours. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, And I might have said this before, and uh, things repeat in this podcast, so get ready to hear it again in a future episode. But uh, I was uh, fascinated by his uh, diversity. He did so many things. He was musically talented. He was very funny, and he had a great laugh. And uh, Chicago, Illinois, 60609 was something he would say uh, when he was promoting uh, whatever the big catalog company was at the time. But, see, I remember the zip code. I don't remember the name of the company. I think it was uh, Sears. It was Sears. Oh, no. I think this was whatever the big catalog. Uh, Montgomery Ward? No. Now you're going to make me look it up. Oh, Spiegel. Spiegel, Spiegel catalog. Yeah. Chicago, Spiegel. Illinois, 60609. Chicago, Illinois, 60609. Yeah, that's right. Oh, but I would come home from school, and I think he, he had a syndicated show, much like Ellen and all those do. Right, yeah. Um, like Merv. He, yeah, he had been the Tonight yeah. Show host. But uh, he went out on his own, and he wanted to do more. He was writing songs. He was writing books. Uh, and he ended up doing this show for funsies. And if you ever have a chance to go back and maybe go on YouTube, look up the Steve Allen show, and uh, Super Dave was on there first. And I don't know if you remember him, but he, uh, they, yeah. would, they would use Super him. Dave Osborne. Yeah, they would use him in bits. And he would be the world's tallest sixth grade basketball player. <laughs> and just so really funny. stupid stuff. 
But, um, yeah, I would get home from school and where others would, you know, be going out and screwing around or, or listening to KHJ or whatever it was. I, I couldn't wait to get home and watch the next Steve Allen, which you had to watch live back in those days because we right. couldn't record things. So Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know that, speaking of Super Dave, you know that his brother is Albert Brooks, right? I did not. Oh, my Serious? God. I, that's, that's, it's a pretty yeah. poor day when you don't learn something. Yeah, uh, that, that is amazing. His brother is Albert that. Brooks. Oh, yeah. Who I also and, and Albert Albert Brooks. Yes, he's he. Uh, yes, I love everything he's ever done. And, mm-hmm. and my one of my favorite movies of all time, and I've seen it a million times, is Defending Your Life. Do you know that? Movie? Yes. No, I, that's the one yeah. I was trying to remember the name of the other day. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, but very I love thoughtful. That movie. And then I re- I remember that. Um, do you remember the show? Back in the seventies, it was on PBS, and it was family. It's called The Family, and it was a uh, one of the first ever reality shows. And the family's name was The Loud Family, and they lived in Southern California. They probably lived next door to you, probably. And um, and, and it followed the the uh, the son was gay, and he moved to New York City. You should look it up. But anyways, so that was the the uh, PBS. This documentary crew stayed with the family for a year. Oh, wow. And during that year, mom and dad got a divorce and and wow. the son moved. It, it was it was it kind of changed television and it happened back in the seventies and we everybody watched it every week. At any rate, what I'm getting at, Albert Brooks made a movie and kind of a takeoff on this, but the the camera crew had cameras on their heads. And they were like fitting in with the family, and then it, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Do you remember the I'll, name of I that one? <laughs> I can't. I'll look. I'll look okay. for it. Okay, so uh, we are yeah. recording this the day before Mother's Day. What are you doing for the mom in your house? I uh, first of all, growing up, growing up, my dad, my mom would get pissed at him all, all, every Mother's Day because he he would always go, "You're not my mother." And my mom used to say the same thing. Is she'd say <laughs> yeah. that to my dad, uh, "I'm not your mother. Don't get me anything." Yeah. What are you doing? Anyway? Yeah. So that that would cause insanity. But um, so my kids, uh, my children are coming over, and my sister is coming over. Oh, that's good. my immediate family right now, and that's uh, they're coming over for breakfast. My daughter's making stuff. Um, you know, I'm in charge of things now. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of like my daughter said, what do you want us to bring? I don't I don't know what time. I don't know. <laughs> don't make me make a decision. Yeah. All I know right now, I'm in um, I'm in the midst of cleaning my house because because I'm the person that has to do it mm-hmm. and um, shampooing my carpets, which and is one of my uh, I was going to say you like doing you like, that anyway. You like fishing. I like shampooing my carpets. <laughs> so. Oh, <laughs> so, man. Yeah. That's what I'm doing right now. Hey, I got to tell you about uh, the lodge at St. Edward Park. So I went there Thursday night for a special sneak peek. I got in thanks to the Bothell Kenmore Chamber of Commerce. And what it is, it's the old seminary on the grounds of St. Edward's Park, St. Edward Park in uh, Kenmore. And it's on I, the same uh, campus as Bass. Yeah, Deer. kind of Fin Hill. Yeah, yeah, in that area. Yeah, I used to live. I used to live by there. <laughs> wow. Anyway, it's gorgeous grounds. I don't know how many acres. I want to say 70 acres, and they have trails and things like that. But this was a seminary where uh, people studied and became Catholic priests, and it's been shut down for like 40 years, but there's a guy that spent the money. I think it was $70 million, I'm not sure. Spent a lot of money 
to restore it into a hotel. And wow, uh, this is opening weekend. It was sold out. Um, but we got to go to this sneak peek on Thursday, and it was really cool. You walk around. They have QR codes around the, the building, so you scan it, and it tells you a little bit of history about that. And, like, the bar downstairs is uh, named after uh, one of the, the 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 priests or whatever that was there. Oh, it was uh, Father Mulligan. And I said, yeah, he must be the patron saint of golf. But, I was um, just thinking. Oh, that. I know. That's that's, that's the first place I went. <laughs> In fact, I was on a Bothell Kenmore Chamber um, State of the City of Kenmore meeting the other day, and uh, they talked about Father Mulligan in the bar and stuff. And I posted that. I said, "Ah, oh, the patron saint of golf." Not a single response. They're probably really? going, "Oh God, that Tim Hunter guy. I wish he'd just shut up." But anyway, <laughs> so we went there. We we went to the bar, and the bar is in the barber shop, former barber shop downstairs. They actually have a barber chair, and we're having a drink and just relaxing and stuff like that. And it's just a cool spot. Well, I recorded an interview with the general manager, and used that the next morning at a little bit past seven o'clock. Later that morning, I get a phone call from Terry Patrick. He is the consultant for KRKO. And he says, Tim, did you, did you do a story this morning on uh, the lodge at St. Edward Park? And I said, well, yeah, yeah. I had a chat with the uh, general manager and told people about it and said, you know, if I get to go to cool things like this, I like to take the listeners along. He said, that is so weird. I spent the night there last night. I go, wait a minute. What? I said, hold on. How did you, what, what's, how? And he's, and I said, God, if I'd have known, you know, we, you could have come down and had a drink with us down in the bar. And he said, well, I didn't, I didn't think anybody was going to be there. You know, I didn't know about this Bothell Chamber event. So anyway, so around 730, 8 o'clock, he gets a call in his hotel room at St. Edward Park uh, from his sister back in Michigan. And his sister, who listens to KRKO back in Michigan, says, are you guys staying at that place that I heard about on the radio this morning? And he goes, I don't I don't think so. And she said, well, it's supposedly a former seminary and a beautiful park. And he goes, well, yeah, that is where we are. And so he calls me. He said, did you do it? And I said, well, yeah, I did. And he says, that is so bizarre that he wasn't listening at the time. His sister from Michigan called to say that she'd heard about it on KRKO. And I go, well, how did you get in? How come you got to spend the night? And he told me he lives across the street wow. from the guy who did this. And I guess this guy is a big-time developer. He's done a lot of things over the years, but his health he has some health issues. So this is his last project. And so he wanted to do it really, really, really right. And I will tell you that he did. But anyway, in the small little world of things, uh, how bizarre is that? What are the that, odds? That's a, that. That's a great. That's a great story. Oh my god! So is it? Now it's it's not the lodge like the the line of bars that are out there called the lodge, is it? Oh no 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 no! This is uh, you actually okay. turn right. in. If you go straight, it would take you to Bastyr. If you go to the right, it'll take you there, and it says the lodge at St. Edward Park. You follow those signs. Okay. Big parking garage cool. has been built. Yeah, I was there two years ago for some kind of a race that was uh, based there, and yeah, they had a long way to go, but they've done, and they have a little bit more of the fine tuning to do in the outside and things like that. But they're up, they're running. Um, somebody else I know is staying there this weekend. They are sold out. 
And uh, hopefully that trend will continue as people get a chance. Rooms are real nice. Biggest TVs ever seen in the history of a hotel room. Uh, each has their wow. own espresso maker. And the phones are done in the 1940s style. They are rotary dial. Cool. You know, um, my kids had their birthday parties at the swimming pool there every year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a big yeah. deal. Wasn't there a Pearl Jam album recorded in the cathedral I there? I believe I so. Somebody can yell at me and correct me later. But uh, yeah, that was I really have, interesting. I have that movie. I have that movie for you. It's called Real Life, 1979. Uh, Albert Brooks directed his directorial debut. Oh, wow. And it was a spoof of the 1973 reality television program, An American Family. See, so that's, Charles Grodin also stars. So 1973 is when I graduated from high school. And so I was up at the University of Washington and not watching television. Yeah, exactly. So, not watching public public yeah, television. Especially public matter. television. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? Yeah. I bought this week. I saw it. Actually, I bought it, I think, about three or four weeks ago. Uh, and I said, you know, I'm going to do that because I'm a major Mel Brooks fan. I would have to say even slightly more than Steve Allen. And uh, they said uh, they were going to release the original London cast recording of Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein. And so wow. it just arrived yesterday, and I'm listening. And it, I my, I don't know if I told you that, and I probably did, was I got to see the, uh, the Seattle debut of Young Frankenstein. I want to say this was like one of the test markets to see how it worked and do reviews. And so when it was at the, uh, the Paramount, and I saw when as we were about to walk in, Mel Brooks walking across the frickin' street. I said, "Hey, Mel, love you." <laughs> and he waved back and everything else. So we get in there, we sit down. We had pretty good seats. We're about ten rows up from the stage. And because wait, stop. Yes, because you were on KLSY. Uh no, I I want to say I bought these. So because I'm uh -oh. a, I'm a major Mel Brooks. Brooks fan. I've seen Blazing oh, okay. Saddles right. no less than 30 times. Uh, I loved Young Frankenstein. But anyway, so we, we sit down, the lights start to dim, the orchestra fires up, and all of a sudden these two people sneak in at the last second, and it was Mel Brooks sitting right in frickin' front of me. Ah. I was like, wow! My brush with fame. What a nice man. Oh, I wanted to hear. And then I went up and I looked at him and said, wow! And then security escorted exactly. me. Exactly. I know. Uh, Mel, I just want to hug you. <laughs> my favorite my favorite Mel Brooks movie is The History of the World Part 1. I have never made it through that yet. I need to do uh, that and force myself. God, I love that. Really? What it, What is so appealing just, about it? It just it, it it's just all you know the Inquisition. What do you say? You know they have a big uh, a big a musical number yeah. about that. And, and then the king he looks at the camera. And goes, Good to be the king. You know just yes. that kind of. It's just it's just amazing. I, I I love it. I I I just think it's just so hilarious. I had a general know? manager that used that phrase a lot. It's good to be it's the good king. to be the king. Yeah. 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 Wow. So. How about a high anxiety? High anxiety. Yeah, I like absolutely. that. That's a guilty pleasure. Yeah, and that was, you know, all those Mel Brooks films, that's when I was in high school. I mean, that was like we had to stand in line and, and see every Mel Brooks movie that wow. came out. There's also a uh, Marty Feldman, you know, of course, riding yeah. on the heels of the success of Young Frankenstein. They said, hey, let's do a movie with Marty Feldman, not Mel Brooks. But there's a, a movie called In God We Trust. 
And I, it, it's hard to find. Probably most people would say it was a horrible movie, but to me it's a guilty pleasure one, and I really liked Marty Feldman. So uh, it's about uh-huh. some unscrupulous uh, minister fleecing flocks and stuff like that. So I, I was never, um, I was never a huge Marty Feldman guy myself. Mm-hmm. I just thought um, he was, was incredibly a... perfect for Young Frankenstein. I, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think. I think, um, um, what was her name? The um, Cloris Leachman. That, was that it? And uh, yeah, Cloris Leachman. I think she was fantastic. In that yes. Movie too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, that was a good. <laughs> that was a great segment. I yeah. said Cloris Leachman. He said, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> How insightful! Go. Well, you look at that. When cast. could we be off the? Yeah, I know. Oh my God! I know everybody's stellar. You know, it's just Kenneth and Mars, Blazing, and... Blazing, Blazing Saddles. Same thing. Um, yeah, Blazing Saddles. When I was in high school, all you had to say was "More beans, Mister Tanger." Yeah. Everybody would just start, I don't, I start think laughing you their heads boys off. Have had enough. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Sli- that was Slim Pickens. Wasn't Slim it? Pickens. Gonna go ride that was into town, a whooping and a whopping. <laughs> Oh, I used to, yeah, I used to do that on demand. It was fun. Yeah. How about, how about, um, didn't Mel Brooks do the, uh, uh, Robin Hood? Um, he did Men in Tights. I wasn't a fan yeah, of that one tights. either. Again, I, yeah. what happens is you get a creative genius like that. And like when he did Get Smart and he was working on Get Smart, it was a collaboration. So you'd, you know, have to make sure. And then all of a sudden you get into, you do Young Frankenstein, you do Blazing Saddles, uh, you do those. And then everybody just says, sure, Mel, whatever. Yeah. Nobody says, yeah, ah, you know, that's not that funny. So uh, right. you get a bunch of yes people around you. And I think that's, you know, that's, you know, Paul McCartney wasn't as great as he was with John Lennon. Um, right. And that whole Speaking thing. Speaking of that. Yeah. Speaking of that. Oh, I saw that. Uh, you posted you know, it. Yeah. The Peter Isn't Jackson that crazy? thing. That's awesome. Love it. So uh, I've I've already talked to the Galaxy Theater. I talked to my friend there and oh. um she goes if we can get it, absolutely. So I we're I'm already planning a KRKO uh screening of it uh, hosted by Tim Hunter and Maury the movie guy. I think August, that would be awesome. Yeah. Wow. In August. So God willing, we're going to make that happen. Uh, for those who are not aware or aren't on Maury's Facebook feed, uh, Peter Jackson, the Lord of the Rings I guy, put it on the KRKO. Oh, did you do? I posted Good. it on KRKO. And yeah. uh, they, he's going through 60, 70 hours of video yeah. and creating it. And basically, I was thinking about this the other day, is we were alive when the Beatles albums came out and when they came out and they were i heard one of the uh people on the beatles channel talking about this is you know the beatles were the top band in the world and they didn't need to change anything but they kept evolving and each album was you know magical mystery tour was like whoa what are those guys smoking and they were uh but that and i mean every single album that came out was an achievement, not just a couple of good songs buried with a bunch of fillers, but just one absolutely great song after another. It's just what I mean. We were alive when that was happening, and it's just to yeah. me, I'm I'm honored that that happened. I mean, I feel very lucky. I mean, the 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 
first of all, I will never in my life forget. And I didn't wasn't really a fan. I didn't really care that much about him. But I remember watching the Ed Sullivan show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually and bought the collection it. of those shows just so I could watch the Beatles again. You ever want to borrow it? I'll lend oh. it to you. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And then um, and then um, uh, my uh, uh, um, you know, trying to uh, I remember when I lived in the Bay Area. I'm sorry, I'm stuttering here. I remember I lived in the Bay Area when uh, the Beatles played at Candlestick Park. Oh, they wow. knew people that that went to uh, that went to it. And and I remember uh, 1980 sitting with my friends watching Monday Night Football and Howard Cosell came on and said that John Lennon was killed. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's it's. And and from where you're right, where they started in the 1960s, and then uh, you know, Sgt. Pepper's and the White Album. It was just it's it's the greatest band ever. Well, ever. You, and then McCartney. Yeah. And then McCartney went and did stuff. And George Harrison. So anyway, sorry. If you went, if you were alive back then, uh, you're th- they provided the soundtrack of your life. There were other bands. There were other good bands out there playing, but the Beatles were telling the music world where to go and how to right. emulate them. I mean, Badfinger, the group, was kind of, it was part of their Apple uh, entourage. You know, my my wife's cousin's husband, Don, Donnie, <laughs> I love it already. Donnie Dacus, uh, he yeah. was in the movie Hair. He was one of the main characters of that. He was uh, the guy that took over for Terry Kath when he killed himself in Chicago. And, oh really? Yep. That's why I know that name. <clears throat> yeah. So he did that, and then they fired him because he wasn't quite into their their culture, uh, <laughs> drug induced culture. Uh, so he went out. He after that went in and uh, played with Badfinger for a while, and wrote some songs with uh, Stephen Stills, and has had an amazing and amazing career. So, but anyway, I remember when I remember when Badfinger. Um, uh, you know, had a hit. There was a rumor. Remember the rumor about Paul McCartney mm-hmm. was dead, right? And then there was a there was a rumor that that was the Beatles, and uh, and you know, they're they were just you know doing that as a cover type thing, you know. Yeah, music was so incredible back then, and uh, you know, I guess that's what old people say is you know back in my yeah. day, and uh, right. you know, today you have great unforgettable artists like anyone. Anyone? I mean, can you imagine? Okay, twenty years from now, are they still going to be playing anything that's come out in the last twenty, thirty years? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, Who knows? Yeah, because next generations tend to, you know, kind of despise the older people's music. I remember, although right. I I grew up being a fan of big band music because I heard it a lot. Didn't mean I didn't like the Beatles and everything else, but you know. Yeah, I yeah. just, I just, again, I think of the Beatles, and the reason I'm droning on and on about this is because in that Peter Jackson chunk that you posted on the KRKO Facebook page, you get to see the Beatles. This is amazing footage, crystal clear, like they're still alive, like you got a chance to be that a fly in the wall in that room. Yeah, and they were recording, and I just got goosebumps yeah. watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, it was it was really it was so cool. I, You know, it's kind of like one of those things where I remember that um, seeing them on the Ed Sullivan show for the first time. Oh, my God, their hair's so long. You know, that was like, <laughs> a, 
how could they wear their hair like that, you know? And then, you know, in hindsight, it wasn't. It wasn't. Who cared, you know? So. Oh, well, yeah, that was, was just cool. the start of it. I mean, because, you know, as time went on, the hair got longer. And I remember, right. but with the beetle right. haircuts were all the thing. Uh, people, yeah. uh, I was in elementary school at that time, fourth, fifth grade, <laughs> and they started taking off. And that's where kids were wearing I Love Paul or I Love John buttons, or they had Beatles lunch boxes. And yeah. the joke going around was this guy's in a barber shop and he said, make me look like Ringo Starr. So the barber took his brush and broke his nose. <laughs> I, I got them all up here. I just got to try to keep on, <laughs> hang on to them as long as I can. So. Yeah, no kidding. That's oh, awesome, man. man. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. All right. So uh, you're set for mom. The, the rugs are clean and everything yeah. is good. Yeah, we're going to have breakfast, and, and uh, yeah, it's all good. Cool. It's all awesome. Good. Yeah. All right, well, have a good yeah. rest of the weekend. Great to connect with you, and maybe might we might do this next week. You've just listened to Maury and Tim Escape from the Radio with Maury Eskenazi and Tim Hunter, a WackyWeek.com production. No insects were injured in the making of this program. Well, maybe one. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like us. If you didn't, Please send it to someone that annoys you.